right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, your daily home for Florida Gators coverage, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. I'm coming to you live with a new mic. Uh, I think we've done a pretty good job with the show so far, but if there was one thing I wanted to improve quickly, it was the audio on my end. So please, if you're listening to this and you hear an improvement, or even if it doesn't sound that good to you, I've got the other mic available. Let me know what you think. Uh, Obviously, we want to hear from you guys. So leave us a rating and review on iTunes with your thoughts on the mic and the show as a whole. You can find us anywhere else that you can listen to podcasts as well. And to keep up with our content, you can follow myself at Zach underscore Goodall, the podcast at Locked on Gators, and my co-host who joins me now, Demetrius Harvey at Demetrius82. Demetrius, say what's up to the people. What's up, everyone? Uh, first of all, Zach, you have the voice of an angel now, so I am very happy for you and that you got your new mic. I do hope that you guys do appreciate or like his microphone as well. Like you said, let us know. Either you know, drop us a comment on Twitter or leave a review. We love reviews, so go ahead and do that. And I hope you guys enjoyed the past two episodes of the Locked On Gators podcast. And uh, it's just it's great to be able to come to you guys almost every single day and break down Gator football, especially when they're playing so well and there's always something new to talk about. I feel like every week we have at least one new storyline to follow, so stay tuned. Our three storylines for tonight involve two recapping the Florida-Kentucky game from this past weekend. We're going to go offense and defense, give you our thoughts as to what we saw. Obviously, there's some good, some bad on both sides to, uh, to really pick through. And we can't wait to do that. And then finally, in the third segment, we will be looking forward to what is officially clinching week. That's right. The Florida Gators can clinch the SEC East and claim their spot in the SEC title game with a win this weekend over Tennessee. We'll get to more of that later. But first, Demetrius, we're going to start with the offense, uh, what we saw from them against Kentucky. And obviously, it was a slow start. The offense put up only seven points in the first half themselves, another seven came off of a last-second Kadarius Tony punt return touchdown. Uh, it just Kentucky came out and themselves they controlled the ball to the point where Florida just didn't have a ton to operate with. They didn't get into much of a rhythm, but at least we saw Kyle Pitts, right? Yeah, we saw Kyle Pitts almost immediately. It seemed like going into the game, even I had a little bit lower expectations for Kyle Pitts in terms of, you know, how he performed over the first six games of the season and then being out for a couple games and then coming back. It's just, it was so impressive to me that, you know, I think it was his second catch. He went for 56 yards and a touchdown. And, you know, I thought that was exactly kind of how Kyle Pitts should arrive back in Gainesville. Just in terms of, what he sort of went through, but then also the trash talk that J.J. Weaver and a couple of the Kentucky players had for him a li- like a day before the game kicked off. Uh, it was just kind of perfect poetic, if you will, uh, just to see his Im- improvement and, and how he was able to kickstart the Gators offense. But you're right about that, Zach. The The first half for the Gators offense just wasn't – it just wasn't clicking as, as well as we've seen it in the past. And that – was a combination and we'll probably talk about it a little bit even more in the second segment, but that was a little bit of a combination of the defense, just not being able to get on, get off the field. Uh, They only had six minutes and 37 seconds of total time of possession during their first half with the offense. So it's not as if they were 
just a downright terrible because they weren't. It just they weren't able to stay on the field very long. The drives that did go for a little bit, they eventually stalled. They had a punt. Uh, it just didn't look as good or as crisp as you would want, especially against a Kentucky team that was three and five hitting into the game. So I, I just thought that, you know, the first half of the game, the Gators offense just could have done a little bit better, but they certainly weren't being helped by the defense. Yeah. And Kyle Trask, he had some sort of a rhythm himself. He was 11 of 15 in the first half. So mm-hmm. he was still finding ways to move the ball. It just, it certainly wasn't consistent. It, there seemed to be a need to hit those shot plays, although they weren't a, taking a ton of them, but they did hit a couple, at least throughout the first half, where you did see that there was life. You did see that it wasn't a lifeless offense by itself, but Kentucky just did a really good job of limiting their opportunities. Uh, until Florida came in, you know, in the, in the second half, they really turned things around. They really did. It was like a, a, a switch flipped, and I think that part of that was the defensive play, and then part of it was just the Gators' offense finding another rhythm and hitting the guys that he needed to. And I guess the guy was Kyle Pitts. And, and I know we, we keep talking about him, but the guy had three touchdowns in the game, all three of Kyle Trask's touchdowns. It it, it, it was as if they were practicing. You know, it, it seemed as though at some points it was only Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts on the field at the same time. And if they were going to throw it to him, he was going to catch it. You know, uh, five catches for 99 yards, three touchdowns. I think that that's probably one of the best performances he's had all season. He's just coming back from a broken nose, or I forget exactly what he said it was. He said in the postgame press conference what the actual injury was or the actual surgery was, but uh, essentially a broken nose on, on the bridge of the nose. It, and it's just uh, – it was just a great performance. 256 yards, 21 of 27 for Kyle Trask. And I think that it seems as though we have – or I shouldn't say we, but some people have – high such high expectations for Trask that when he throws for you know quote unquote 256 yards only 256 yards it seems like that was just like a poor game because we're so used to seeing him throw those 300 yard 400 yard games but sometimes efficiency is all that's needed like if you score 17 points in the third quarter that's all you got to do so it, it ends up working out and I think that uh, for the most part, the Gators' offense just, you know, they showed what they could do. They finished the game off well, and I think that's all you can really expect. Yeah, and, and they certainly were efficient. I mean, Trask and Emory Jones in the second half went 14-16 passing. Trask threw the two incompletions. Emory went 4-4 himself for 46 yards in cleanup duty, but that tells you that the two of them together – we're hitting on all cylinders, uh, firing on all cylinders in the second half. There was a lot more comfort, and that's exactly what you want to see. It's also encouraging to see their adjustment to a team that was coming out just telling, like, like I mean, doing everything they can to stop the pass, to come out and have that happen. That's an encouraging sign to have that from two quarterbacks. Yeah, it really is, and 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 not to mention another quarterback slash wide receiver, Kadarius Tony. He completed that that one, that pass, I believe. Yeah, for twelve yards to Pitts. Did, did, did that come in the first half or the second half? Second. I don't remember. That actually. was also the second, the second half. So they technically right, so, were fifteen to seventeen passing in right. the second half. <laughs> and and I and I kind of say that jokingly because you know it was, obviously it was a trick play for Kadarius Tony to throw to Kyle Pitts, and we all saw that, and it was exciting because it looked like Kadarius was kind of just running around and then all of a sudden he throws it to Pitts and Pitts is wide open and boom, they completed it. I, think, I just... think he wanted a shot downfield at first. I think there was something that they were trying mm-hmm. to develop, but uh, Kentucky caught on to it going down the seams. 
but he, you know, went back into his old toolbox where, you know, obviously he was a high school quarterback and I kind of want to see more of Kadarius Tony trick play passes. It's just, it's a fun little wiggle or, or wrinkle out of your offensive playbook. And I thought that Dan Mullen did a really good job of calling the game, especially in the second half when he knew uh, the offensive stalling, it, it, it wasn't necessarily uh, because the offense was playing so poorly. It was just because, you know, they, end up getting off the field we had to see jacob finn so it, it it it's it's just a incredible achievement for them to be able to come in and, and just get the job done i know it's against kentucky and i was told that plenty of times during the game but in any situation any team against an sec team against a kentucky team that has given you so much trouble over the past two years it was just great to see them um shut them out and just have a good game in the second half yeah i will say uh it- because you had mentioned about when that play happened with Tony, that was the third play of the second half. So that was right. a moment where even though, yes, Florida did just take that lead off that Tony touchdown at the end of the first half, Dan wasn't messing around. There have been questions about just being conservative in the second half and where the aggression is, how they stall out. They came out and they did one, two, three, four, five, six passing plays on a seven play drive to start the second half. One of them ended in a sack, but it ended in a two yard touchdown pass to Kyle Pitts. And that type of aggressiveness, that type of creativity to get things rolling with that Tony type of pass. And you could tell, yeah, there definitely was a shot downfield that they were trying to develop. Dan was putting his foot on the gas at that point because he realized that it was something that needed to be corrected. And speaking of corrections, we it is time for us to move on to our second segment. Florida's defense. Demetrius is specifically waiting to talk about this. He's excited Florida did make a lot of adjustments and corrections in this game after getting gashed early, and it worked out. It was a tale of two defenses, and we're going to break it down after these messages. Do you guys ever feel as though you're always on? Don't you want just a moment to relax and chill? It's been difficult this year, especially with everything going on, social issues, and the expectations to be on 24-7 with families and friends. Sometimes you need a breather. And especially with the Gators this season, it can be stressful. That's why Coors Light is the perfect cold one to open up. Saturdays are a time to chill. Watching Florida football and relaxing with Coors Light that's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, literally made to chill. I personally love the refreshing taste. It makes me chill out, relax a little bit, and enjoy the day. I know one thing. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you hit that reset button... Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in a new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly with Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Demetrius, I don't even need to give any lead. Just go for it. Let the people know. I mean, you guys saw it. You guys saw the uh, incredible Florida Gators defense in action last week in the second half. Uh, just a brilliant performance by them. Obviously, you know, it's all expected. That's uh, kind of just a run-at-the-mill game for them. They're just so efficient, so good. Uh, it, they only allowed, what was it, 20 yards passing in the second half. I mean, that's pretty much what you can expect from this Florida Gators defense, led by defense coordinator Todd Grantham. No, but in, in all seriousness, um, before the game, or I guess it was a day before the game, when we came out with the last podcast on Friday, so – I wrote an article and I said, you know, are we or 
are the Gators' defensive struggles a little bit overblown? <laughs> and I got so much. I've never actually – you guys have been so good to me, and, and I appreciate any criticism, any talk, but I've never received so much hate for that article. And I'm not sure if some people didn't read it. I'm sure that was the case, and some people might have read it and still hated me. I will but come I've out never... and say – you could tell just by reading through your quote tweets that a lot of people did not read it. There was a lot just, of people there was, did. There was a lot of blatant like reading the title and commenting because you addressed a lot of the concerns throughout the story. Right. It's not I, like you I just, just blatantly held the water of Todd Grantham. You called him out where he needed to be called out, but yep. you give credit where it was due. Yep. And I think it. it I'm not going to toot my own horn too much because I do think that we saw a little bit more of that. Uh, the sloppy miscommunication, especially we saw it. Dan Mullen got into Todd Grantham and, you know, he made a joke after the, after the game saying that he was upset at him putting up Christmas lights, but he was talking about it. You know, that, that third and I believe it was third and 10 run play by Terry Wilson, where he was able to get a first down and more that really upset uh, Dan Mullen. Rightfully so. Uh, That's the Todd Grantham defense that we've seen that just, gets Gator fans very upset. And so, of course, immediately I get a lot of mentions probably throughout the entire first half calling me dumb, calling me names and all that stuff, which I can take. I don't care. Um, It was just interesting to see because I thought that the exact same things that I called out in the article, the explosive plays, the explosive runs that they can't keep allowing, that's what we saw. We saw a lot of explosive plays where you need to be able to get off the field in certain situations, and they haven't been able to do that. But then, in the second half, I, I would I wouldn't even said that they were going to have that good of a second half. They shut them out. They held them to forty six yards. I believe twenty yards came on that last drive. That is the sort of defense that I'm talking about with you guys, where you've seen the improvements. And I know that it always comes in the second half. I don't understand why. I don't even think Dan Mullen knows why at this point. There, the, the defense suddenly can play better, but they do, and so. They allowed them to rush for 33 yards, had 46 yards total, 13 passing yards. It just was a a shutdown day, and the Jekyll and Hyde performance from the Gators' defense really showed up. And I think that um, it's still an issue moving forward. I'm not saying that the defense is not an issue, but I do think that some of the criticisms that the defense gets might have been a little bit more because the last few games they have been performing well or better than they were in the first few games. And I think that that was evident even against a team like Kentucky, as some people want to tell me. Well, it just seems to be showing up in spurts. And yeah, against a team like Kentucky, they shouldn't be throwing the ball at all. I mean, they were the only team in the conference to not have a thousand passing yards and they had played the most games in the conference entering the game. And we saw it. I mean, in the second half, they had as many total yards as Emory Jones had passing yards when he came in for mop-up duties. There's just these a bunch of little facts that tell you how bad Kentucky is, and yeah, that's great. But Florida came out, and across their defensive drives, they really only had an issue on two, and they were consecutive. Yep. We saw Kentucky really figure out how to burn the clock. I mean, even starting off just in shorter fumble on the wrong side of the field, they were able to burn off a ton of time. They were going over 35 seconds per play at that point. Then right after that is the 14 play 87, uh, seven minute, 24, uh, second drive where they just ran down us throats. We, <laughs> we looked at 
the stats when you remove the sacks and they were averaging like 4.87 yards per carry, 30 rushes for 146 yards in the first half. But so much of it truly came on those two drives. The rest of the drives were all negative results or, mm-hmm. or three and outs, quick stops. So yeah, it's you want to see the improvements. You want to see the complete game, but they did seem to show up when they needed to. We saw that against Vanderbilt. If that can at least be the trend that they do are they are at least showing up when necessary, then you start to feel a little bit more confident moving forward compared to like recently it's just been so all over the place. You don't know when you're going to get a good and a bad Gators defense. Absolutely. And like you said, in that first half, even even though they they were letting up too many plays and you know, people were talking about how terrible Todd Grantham was. Dan Mullen was yelling at Todd Grantham. It was two drives. And then that second drive that they went 87 yards, which was a fantastic drive by Kentucky, Florida's defense still, they held down and it ended in a field goal. And that's kind of the defense that you want to see in terms of at the goal line. You want to see them stop them and hold them to a field goal because you never know. College kickers, you know, they'll miss a 10-yard field goal if they want to someday. So it it, it was it – was, I thought that this was probably could have been the best defensive performance of the season for the Gators if they had just not had that field goal drive. I think that no one would be talking about how terrible the defense is, at least for this week, at least for this game. They would think that that's what you should see. That's a Gators standard. You know, that's what uh, Travis Johnson was talking about. We just want to, we as in, he was talking about, we as in the, the team want to show the fans and show everybody what the Gator standard is. You know, uh, I think that for fans against Kentucky, you want to see a shutout. I think that that was the only thing that was really going to satisfy everybody. And I get it. Uh, but at the end of the day, I thought that the Gators defense, three interceptions in that second, have a turnover on down on one of them and then three punts. And it was just uh, incredible. It was, they were dominant when they needed to be. That, yep. that's, that's the best way to look at it, I think. And that was cool with Therese Johnson, 904, intercepting mm-hmm. his high school quarterback. You Imagine love that. to see it. You love to see it. Bartram Trail. Uh, I never got to meet them while I was at Ponte Vedra High School, but I did get to play against them, so kind of cool. Not Were they good? against them directly because right. I was on JV, but my team did. So Were they good? Yeah, Joey Gatewood was crazy Fantastic. prospect. Crazy prospect. They had like a couple different quarterbacks at that time, so they used him uniquely too. It was interesting. And then, of course, we've all seen Trevez Johnson's film from high school, and he's starting to pick things up, and that's another one where – there was something that we could see from the defense. Uh, last note, we saw rotations earlier. It seemed mm-hmm. like they were doing the rolling guys through. You saw younger players. I mean, I think we saw five new players at least on the second drive come in and hold it down for a couple of plays at least. So, I mean, you want to see that keep happening and them keep building upon it. But that was – we saw Dan yelling uh, at Todd, but I don't think he was yelling at him about rotations it seems as though what Dan asked for last week did get resolved. Absolutely. They they were rolling out guys. We saw Kimbrough in there a few times. We saw uh, even Tyron Harper. It was mostly near the end of the game with him, but we, we at least saw all of these guys rotate a lot more. Rashad Torrance, obviously Trevez got in there. It, 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 it was just more of a, okay, let's put these guys in and let's see what we got. 
and they stayed in for longer than a couple plays. It wasn't necessarily a package. It seemed like it was a whole drive. So I think that that's kind of what you want to see, especially as you get later in the season when you need to develop these guys for the future. You want to see these guys in here getting these reps, developing, learning from the veterans, and, and kind of just improving the team as a whole. When we come back from this quick break, we're going to be talking about Florida's week ahead. It is clinching week. Win at Rocky Top and you are in. You know, I've been trying to get back in the gym recently, but I just couldn't figure out what to do after. Sure, I can just make a protein shake, but that's annoying. It doesn't always taste good and it can be time consuming. That's why I've started to eat Build Bars right after my workout. Not only do they taste amazing, but they are incredibly healthy with 19 grams of protein in the peanut butter flavor. I can't go wrong. Now, I'm not a keto guy myself, but it's a low-calorie, low-sugar profile that makes it easier for any of you out there that are. Right now, you can go to BuildBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuildBar.com. So, Demetrius, and I mean, I joined the Gators beat at about the midway-ish point of the Dan Mullen era. Uh, and you a little bit after me, so we weren't here for all of these goals to be met. But they they lost three games their first season. Uh, it needed to be two losses the next. And, I mean, they obviously want to go undefeated, but the goal was to win one more game every year. And that would eventually get them to where they needed to be. And all those stars pointed er, towards the SEC championship this year. That extra win would come over Georgia because you needed to do that by year three. And you needed to lock up the SEC East. You needed to advance the SEC championship game. You needed to have a legitimate shot at contending for the college football playoff. So while we do nitpick, rightfully so, while we look through things, I mean, the Gators are coming up on the goals that they have set year in and year out for the third year in a row as they're trying to rebuild this program. In a Rocky Top win, I mean, that puts the icing on the cake right there. Yeah, it really would. And this is coming against a team where, you know, before I joined the Gators beat or, you know, maybe even a little bit during it because we were so heavy into recruitment still and people were still excited about recruiting classes and how they were going to do because we were headed into the next spring ball. Obviously the Corona and everything kind of affected all of that. So we got into more recruitment. Uh, Everybody kind of hated on Tennessee because every single season, apparently, Tennessee has one of the best recruiting classes in the country. And now you're heading into a game against Tennessee where they looked horrible. Again, it seems like every year they do. And this is the game where Florida can clinch the SEC East. So I think that that's just uh, the icing on the top for the Gator fan base to be able to clinch the SEC East against a hated rival in Tennessee uh, I saw the back and forth, and I think that it will be great for them. Uh, but looking forward, it, it you're right, Zach. It's just they needed to beat Georgia this year. I, I know that the past few years, obviously, they haven't beaten Georgia. They haven't been to an SEC title game since 2016. And, you know, as I was talking to some beat, beat reporters, uh, that 2016 season was basically a fluke. They kind of just got in. They, you know, somehow got in, and obviously Alabama did what they did. This year, they are legitimate competitors. And kind of from what I've noticed, too, from covering college and how different it is from the NFL, uh, when you cover a college team, especially with one with such high expectations like Florida, even just getting to the SEC title game isn't enough. 
uh, for me, if I were just looking at it objectively, this is a great uh, this is a great accomplishment. If they win the SEC East, even if they didn't beat Alabama, for me, it would be an incredible accomplishment because they got to that game and they know that they are maybe one year away from actually taking over. Uh, for a lot of Gator fans, they they wanted to they want to just destroy Alabama, and I think that that's sort of what we've seen over the past few weeks in terms of why they're so critical or why it's been so such a uh, hotly you know debated topic about the defense or even the offense at times. It's just that they're looking forward to Alabama, and now we're here. They can defeat Tennessee, and they can win the SEC East, and Dan would have accomplished his goal, and and at least for year three, and and we'll see what happens after that. Yeah. We we certainly will. It I at the same time you do look at this, and I can understand those expectations from the fans because it's 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 weird to think about considering this is year three and we've seen some recruits uh, of Mullins come out and start to develop in roles. However, there is still a lot of McElwain talent being depended on, or in some situations being used when. It, it seems like the younger talent should be on the field. So does that concern you at all about the future years uh, and make you think that maybe this is the year that you do need to push past the SEC championship? Because I can, I, I would tend to agree with you. We've seen, I mean, the recruiting has gradually improved every year. We have seen guys in flashes, but as long as there's been this stubbornness to not play young guys as much and like a dependency on a, number 13 in your secondary, for example, it's just, I don't know. I can, I can understand the pause as well. Yeah. I I guess that's fair. There are some veterans, especially on the defensive side of the football where you're thinking uh, we haven't really seen Dan's guys too much. I mean, obviously they're sprinkled in there every now and again, but well, here's one to uh, think about. And I know mm-hmm. that you and I both love the idea of this guy. And so do a lot of fans, mm-hmm. but we've not seen Emory Jones in an actual real quarterbacking role we just haven't we've seen him throw passes every now and then but we've just not seen an actual script for him and in the flashes that he's played it's been great but what what happens if it's not trask like there's a very good chance that trask is the best that mullen could get which is i mean a huge huge deal and i don't mean to doubt Mullen whatsoever with the guys that he'll be able to bring in but we are also watching something rare this you're right about that this could be I never really thought about it from that perspective but this could be a make or break year in the minds of people because you're looking at a quarterback who's likely going to win the Heisman trophy I mean I know that we've talked about it and and maybe we haven't really underscored the significance of that enough Winning the Heisman is no easy task, even in this, you know, COVID season. I know that it's a little bit different because we haven't seen a lot of fields all the time. We haven't seen Lawrence play in, I feel like, a month. Uh, there's a few other quarterbacks, and I know that this isn't just a quarterback-only trophy, but, I mean, it, it's just a quarterback-only trophy at this point. So when you see a guy like Kyle Trask able to accomplish what he has and just lead the FBS in touchdowns by four, just all of his stats are just so dominating will this be able to be a repeat? So I think that the worry here is, and now now that I'm kind of thinking it through, I think the worry is that 
once this year's over, if they don't win the national championship game or if they don't win the SEC East, I mean, win the SEC championship game against Alabama, will they be able to climb back next year? Will this be a tra- like another you know stepping stone or will it be this was the year and now we're back to the one to two loss team that kind of might squeak in the SEC East if they beat Georgia, things like that. Who knows if they're going to be able to accomplish that task of beating in Alabama or whoever comes out of the West. Um, I could see that. And you know what? It it might be true because Trask is playing incredible. You do have Kyle Pitts for just this year because he's not coming back. Uh, there's going to be a lot of question marks, but uh, there's some there's some bright spots on this team that I feel as though especially in the coaching staff, just I just feel as though this offense can still be as explosive or not as explosive, but it can be explosive enough uh, to give you that joy or give you those wins moving forward. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. But however, that is something that's been in the back of mind of my mind as well, which of course has had me thinking about the future for just the team, the staff, mm-hmm. but we're not going to go there today. That's that's a topic for another day. Uh, Maybe after the SEC talks. Yeah, we'll we'll let that wrap up this show for today. Anyway, if you guys want to hear about my me just going off and thinking into the future and whatnot, make sure to stick around with the Locked On Gators podcast. You can follow us uh, myself on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, Demetrius at Demetrius eighty two. Most importantly, at Locked On Gators. That way, you'll never miss an episode as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, and listen anywhere you can listen to podcasts. You can listen to Locked On Gators. We'll catch up with you guys next time.